I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is an entertainment podcast, and the research we do may come from semi-unreliable sources. Welcome to Research Rebuttal Podcast. It's the podcast where two stubborn friends prove each other wrong. Each week, one of us will be the researcher, and one of us will be the guesser. I'm Rachel Teichman. And this is Paige Dempster. Hello. And today, we're going to discuss citrus and pigments. I'll be your researcher today, and Paige will be the guesser. Let's get rebutted. Hey, Paige. Hello. I believe one of us had an interesting question recently. Oh, yeah? What was that? It was... Why do oranges and limes have a thin pith, but grapefruits and lemons have thick with two C's? That must have been your question, because I'm not curious about that kind of stuff. Yeah, it does sound like something that I would have asked. That's a very, like, racial-specific query. Yeah, I feel that. Um, I guess uh, the first thing I want to know from you, though, is why should I beware of citrus? This goes back to, uh, I don't know, this is very specific, but people who had a Nintendo DSi and people who downloaded Flipnote Hatena, which is like the Flipnote, the animation making app, and then people that use the online function might remember a creator named Gizmo who in one of his animations just had a sign that said, beware of citrus. (laughs) And I told that to Rachel, and we still talk about it years later. It became an instant sketchbook thing. Yeah, drew it over and over again. Yeah, and I believe that it showed up in one of your original character frames. Oh, God. You're probably right. I believe his name is Bryce. No, we're not talking about that right now. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I want to get to it. I want to know why some citrus has a thick pith and others do not. So I did that research and uh, let's learn. All right. Okay. What is a pith? The pith is like the white stuff, right? Yeah, it's, it's the white part of the inside skin of citrus and some other plants. According to Wikipedia, the pith is the tissue in the stems of vascular plants. Vascular plants? What does that mean? Vascular plants. What does that mean? I would assume it means, like, plants that have veins. So, like, the pith is composed of soft, spongy parenchyma cells. I'm not sure if I said that correctly. I've never heard that word in my life. Yeah, me neither. Do you know know what the function of the pith is of these cells? Hmm. Hmm. Is it perhaps to protect the fruit itself with... No, that doesn't sound right. Mm. Is it like a deterrent? So like if a giraffe comes along and is like, ooh, fruit, and it like takes a bite and it like it tastes the pith, it's like bitter and nasty, so it spits it out. 
Ooh, fruit. Yeah. No, it's time to get rebutted. Uh, well. Yeah, I like your guess, though, and we're going to talk about the bitterness a little bit. Okay. Uh, no, the function of the pith is to store and transport nutrients throughout the plant. Got it. That makes more sense. Right. And so it turns darker as it ages, which is more relevant in plants such as the walnut. (laughs) Yeah. Can you or should you eat the pith? Why or why not? I think you can eat the pith because speaking from experience, I have eaten a pith or two in my day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember when I went through that phase of like mm, texture and I like was chewing on orange rind? (laughs) was that during the same phase where you ate a coconut over the course of like a week yeah (laughs) I like took a coconut and I like threw it I like threw it from a two-story window out onto the concrete to break it open and then I ate it over the course of a week I remember you offered me a chunk I think Nicole and I came over for a few minutes and we walked in and you were holding a piece of a coconut yeah. And, and you were like, here, try this. And we each took some bites out of the coconut piece. It's good manners, right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, what was the question again? Well, you answered part of it, which is, can you eat the pith? Should oh. you eat the pith? I don't think, like, I think it's okay, but like, you probably should not. It just seems like one of those things that, like apple seeds, like you can have them, but you shouldn't have a lot of it. Well, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. According to LiveScience.com, the pith has as much vitamin C as the flesh, as well as lots of fiber, calcium, and vitamins A and B. Really? Yes. So, yes, you should, and yes, you can. It's kind of like where that theory, or not theory, but my mom always told me that, like, the crusts of the bread has more nutrients, so you should eat it. It's kind of like that. I don't think that's actually... I I don't believe it, but it's the same principle. That's, you know what, I'm interested in that, and I'm definitely going to Google it after this episode. I can ask my mom about it. You should. And so the pith, so you said that it's bitter. Yeah. That's kind of a myth. Really? Really. Like, I was looking into this, and... I was finding, and this is true to my experience too, that the pith of a grapefruit tends to be kind of bitter, but the pith of other fruits don't tend to be nearly as bitter. I mean, I think they're still a little bitter, but I suppose not as bitter as a grapefruit. I think it depends on the fruit and Mm. uh, how it grew. True or false, another word for pith is medulla. True. Yes. Aha. What else is the medulla? Uh, the pulp? No. Outside of citrus, what is the medulla? It sounds, this is like an anatomy thing, is it not? It is. Is it like part of the brain? Yes. Ah. Do you know where it's located and what it's for? Uh... Think about the fact that the pith is for vascular plants. Think about that. Does it have to do with veins? Sort of. Um, is it like the squishy part of the brain that like, it's the part where like the brain stem connects to like the brain itself? 
You're really close. Am I actually? Yeah, you're actually very close. Really? Yeah, yeah. so the medulla is, it's it's located like near the brainstem and uh, its function is to control autonomic responses such as sneezing. Oh. That doesn't really have to do with being vascular, but that had more to do with the location. Got it. Yeah. So you're, you can thank your medulla every time you sneeze. Thanks, medulla. Oh, f- you, medulla. Now to the real question. Mm-hmm. What causes thick pip? Could it perhaps be an evolutionary thing? I think that's a cop-out response. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, because okay. everything is evolutionary. Well, okay, well, let it. me get... Let me get more specific before you come for me like that. A thicker pith implies that the fruit that the pith is on perhaps fell from trees and got damaged on impact. Maybe a thicker pith helps cushion the blow. Like, you know, the egg drop experiments when you wrap your egg in bubble wrap. Or like our helmet episode. Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. So the reason that there is thick with two C's pith Mm -hmm. has to do with nutrient balances. Okay. According to gardeningknowhow.com, you get a thick pith on your citrus or I guess other fruits that have pith when there is too much nitrogen or too little phosphorus. Interesting. So this is across like all pith bearing fruit? It seems to be. Okay. My original question was specifically, why do oranges and limes have a thin pith, but the grapefruits and lemons have a thicker one? Which, looking above me, above my desk here, I have a poster with some citrus fruits Ah, on it. Ah, yes, the citrus poster. Right. And in this photo, it's true. The grapefruit has thick, the lemon has thick, but the orange and the lime have thin. And I know this to be true in real life. And I tried doing some research on that specifically, and I couldn't find any. So the conclusion that I'm coming to, which I don't know is correct, is that grapefruits and lemons are more prone to nutrient imbalances. I don't know, but that's what I've decided. Well, that is a very bold claim, and I have no choice but to believe you. Great. Before we go to our sponsor, I'm going to give you a couple of fun facts. All right. My favorite part. Outspanflavors.com says citrus in tropical climates stay green because a frost is needed for yellow and orange colors to develop. Cool. Right. What is your favorite citrus? Hmm. I'm not really that big on citrus. Pineapple doesn't count, right? I don't think so. Yeah, because I do really like pineapple. I've seen you eat oranges. I mean, I'll eat oranges, but like, I'm not crazy about them. I'm gonna say lemon because I really like lemon water. And I also like the challenge of biting into a lemon and trying to keep a straight face. Okay. As your face slowly implodes. Uh Uh-huh. So I'll go with lemon. What is your personal reason that I should beware of lemons? They can make your face implode for one. For two... I don't trust those little knobs on the ends of lemons. Who knows what those could puncture? Who knows 
what shape they resemble, what body parts specifically the knobs on lemons remind you of. It reminds me of the Beatles member John Lennon, who you should be aware of. True. They're very acidic. You shouldn't trust that. That can hurt you, especially if it gets out of cut. Yeah, those are all my reasons. Those are some good reasons. And there's actually a fruit called the etrog, which is used in Judaism during Sukkot. And there's a lot of criteria for the etrog for it to be kosher. But one of it is there is a little nub at the end of it, and Mm. that has to be intact for it to be kosher. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, there are very high standards for a kosher etrog to be used during Sukkot. I did not know that. Thank you for teaching me. It kind of looks like a big lemon. It's a fun fruit. Oh, cool. I'm into it. Me too. I think it's never a word from our sponsors. Do you suffer with anger management? Do you need a new outlet for your anger? Then get yourself some citrus. Simply take a grapefruit, take an orange, take a lemon, whatever citrus calms you down, cut it in half, and squeeze that citrus all over everything. Squeeze it over your body, squeeze it over your food, squeeze it on your countertops. Get that anger out. Buy citrus today. Brought to you by the American Citrus Council. Hey Paige, did you buy some citrus today? I did, and I rubbed it all over my body. That's great. I'm so happy for you. Thanks. Works like a charm. I bet. Did you get it from the American Citrus Council? Yes, I did. Wow, look at that. (laughs) I hope they don't sue us. I certainly hope not either. That'd be kind of funny, though. Two college students get sued by the American Citrus Association. That's hilarious. (laughs) You know what I think of when I look at different citrus in the store? What's that? Well, first I think about how lemons are artificially turned yellow. Okay. And then I think about all the different dyes that are used on fruits to Ah, make them more vibrant. Segway. Yes. And when I think about these hues, I think about pigments. Uh Uh-huh. Right. How do you feel about pigments? Okay. I mean, I'm hoping I do well on this because as an artist, I should know a little bit more about this than the average person. That's probably true. Let's hope it is. I don't want to embarrass the hell out of myself today. So you had the question, where do we get natural pigments from? Yeah. And I decided to take this on. Yes. Thank you. Because I have a specific memory of being on vacation in Vermont and we were at a river and we took some little colored rocks and we're rubbing them on other rocks and we were putting that pigment on as makeup. That's probably not smart to do. Well, I don't know. It's just a rock. I mean, yeah, but you know, what if some of them are toxic when absorbed into the skin? I don't know. Oh, you're still here today. So I'm still here today. Yeah. Anyway. Where do you think natural pigments come from? Depends on the color. They come from a lot of places. Well, I guess specifically, what types of material do they come from? Um, a lot of them come from flowers. A lot of them come from rocks. Some of them come from animals. So really just all corners of the globe, I guess. You covered it. It's, it's like the classic 21 questions, animal, vegetable, or mineral. And in fact, that's what we're talking about today. I thought it was 20 questions. What did I say, 21? Yeah. Fine, 20 questions. (laughs) 
yeah, you're right. How and all this information right now is coming from invaluable.com. How do you think natural pigments are made? Essentially, I think what happens is you take whatever the pigment is coming from, say, for example, like a pet, like flower petals, and you muddle them up with some probably oil and you have to cook that down or not or not cook it down necessarily, but strain out all of the solids. And then I imagine there's like a cooking process and voila, color. Yeah, you're basically right. I have down that natural pigments are ground, sifted, washed, and in rare cases, heated. I'm doing well. You're on a streak. Yes. Get those streaks. Make up for my little knowledge about citrus. It's the redemption episode. This is my redemption arc. Who created natural pigments on a large scale? I'm just going to guess it's a paint company, and now I'm going to guess Windsor and Newton Paint Company. I'm sorry to tell you that it's time to get rebutted. The first large-scale pigment creation was from Chinese and Egyptian cultures. Oh, okay. Right. So you're right that the Industrial Revolution is relevant within the area of pigments, but that's not really what we're talking about today. My brain always just defaults to Industrial Revolution. I don't know why. It makes sense. Probably my dumb Western capitalist school system learning. (laughs) Brought to you by the American Council for Citrus. Oh, God. (laughs) They're going to sue us. What were common pigments of the ancient Egyptians? Definitely black, um, probably brown, yellow, red, orange. But can you name the materials? Okay, uh, black was probably ash or charcoal. Maybe they also had gray and that was ash. Um, red was probably like those bugs that you crush up or red flowers. Yellow and orange are almost always turmeric to my knowledge. Um, they probably also were able to use clay. That's probably it. Actually, I have down azurite, which is a blue copper mineral, realgar, which I don't know the color, and an arsenic sulfide mineral, which I'm, which I would imagine turns yellow. Don't use arsenic in anything. Arsenic sulfide mineral. So I don't know. It could be safe, honestly. Arsenic's poison. Arsenic is poison, but I don't know if it's poisonous when used as a pigment. I guess that's... Well, and it's also arsenic sulfide, which makes it sound yeah, like a compound. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because, like, both sodium and chlorine are poisonous on your, their own, but when you combine them, you get table salt. Right. So who's to say? Yeah, so those were the most common materials to create pigments uh, okay. in the Egyptians. Good to know. During the Middle Ages, what were pigments mixed with? Mm, it's going to be disgusting, I have a feeling. Tempera. Tempera is made with eggs. Yeah, it, um, they used egg and water. Ah, yeah, I learned that in art history. Amazing. Yeah. Education. Education. Now it's time to name at least three plant pigments, like the materials. Turmeric? Sunflower? I just, I know turmeric. I just know turmeric. Name one more. I know purple doesn't come from a plant. Purple or indigo? Oh, indigo comes from a plant. There you go. Yeah. So two of the three that you named were not on my list, but that doesn't mean that you're wrong. Okay. The other ones that I have listed are sumac. Oh. Beets. Makes sense. Blueberries. I like that. 
and safflower. Cool. Right. Where do you think animal pigments come from? Okay. I just know one bizarre fact right. that you can get a specific pigment of purple from a certain kind of snail. What kind of snail is it? I don't know, but it's like an ocean snail or something like that. And you crush it up and it's a beautiful purple, but also that's really <laughs> sad. You can also use squid ink or cuttlefish ink. So the snail that you're talking about <laughs> is a murex. Oh, okay. It's a predatory snail. Predatory snail. It's a predatory snail. I've no- I didn't know predatory snails existed. Apparently they do. And do you know the name of the color that it, that comes out of it? Like a paint pigment? Yeah, like what's the hue? What's the shade? Ah, <sighs> uh, uh, not lavender. Because um, it's like a deeper purple, to yeah. my knowledge. From a technical standpoint, it's Turian purple or Tyrian purple. Oh, okay. And this was actually royal purple. Oh, interesting. Which was popular in ancient Rome. Purple Mountain Majesty. Purple Mountain Majesty. That's a Crayola color. It sure is. Crayola, please don't sue us. Crayola, please sponsor us. Crayola, please sponsor us. If you're out there, please, I would die of happiness. You would die as in pigments? Yes. Great. (laughs) There's another one that you sort of mentioned before. There's carmine. Oh, yeah. Uh, Carmine comes from crushed up bugs, right? From kermes. And it comes specifically from their blood. Ah. How do you make dye from blueberries? Well, I imagine you start by muddling up blueberries, cooking them down, straining them. (laughs) I imagine it's very similar to how you make like a compote, but you just strain it out afterwards. And then you probably heat it and mix it with oil. Okay, so your way might work, but the way that I have down is you, yeah, you mash it, and then Mm. you strain it. Yep. You mash it again. Oh. Add flour. Really? Yeah, and then you can paint with it. This sounds delicious. It does, except for maybe the flour part. You can just have thick with two C's blueberry. That's true. Or you could use even powdered sugar as a thickener. This is just this is just dessert. It is just dessert. <laughs> Have you ever little. made pigment? I've done a little bit. I've like taken some rocks in the yard and mashed them together to get like some red colors. That's but cool. Never, yeah, but like never like, you know, a paint or something. What did they tell you about pigments in art school? Like boil it down to <laughs> the three most important sentences. Okay, don't eat the paint, first of all, because that is something you have to tell art students, believe it or not. I believe it. Keep the window open, because especially with oil paints, if you, like, are breathing it in too long, that's how you lose brain cells. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And you only need a little bit. Pigments on their own are very, very condensed You only need to mix pigment with a little bit of media to get the color that you need. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that about does it for this episode of Research Rebuttal Podcast. Yeah, I'm happy with how I did on the second one, because I myself am not really a painter. But you know some things. I do know some things. You can find us 
at Research Rebuttal Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at Research Rebut on Twitter. You can email us. Please email us topic suggestions. Please email us. We're so lonely. We want your suggestions. Email us at researchrebuttalpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, let us know if you've ever been sued by the American Council for Citrus. Have you ever made your own pigments? Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.